presentation and your words. Um, always in a day like this, uh, always think about what I'm going to say. You know, there's lot, so much you can say, what is appropriate to say for a day like this. But I'd like to turn your, take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. And read the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1 this morning. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through, through the will of God. And so Thenus, our brother, unto the God, church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that are in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from our God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf and for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you're enriched by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm unto you the, the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called by the fellowship of, of the Son, of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that ye are no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, and in the same judgment. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for what all we've heard and seen thus far. We thank you for our veterans. We thank you for those who've served, those who give their ultimate lives, their very lives laid down so we can have the opportunity to have the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech. And we're thankful for that today. And thank you for the reminder, uh, the precious reminder. And we need to be reminded often of the cost for freedom. I thank you for the day. May Jesus Christ be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. I didn't have the privilege of serving the United States military, but at 17 years of age, at the Wilds Christian Camp in Vibard, North Carolina, I was called into the Lord's Army. He called me to service. It was a direct call from God to do exactly what I am doing today. Many times on that path, I've fallen down. I questioned that call, wondered about that call, but ultimately God's called me to do what exactly I am doing at this moment. I learned much about life uh, through uh, different areas through that call, uh, the, the good, the bad, the struggles, but what is a church? A church is really made up of individuals, uh, like a unit, like a team. And though I don't hope we'll have a lot of experience when it comes to military, I know what it means to be on a team. I know what it means to be uh, a coach of a team and to think about what, what, what it means to be together and, and to gather together and get things done. And for about a year ago, I just, for some reason, I had this idea that I need to put up some, some ideas of how to, how to do that. What, what's it like to be on a team? What does it mean to be a part of a team? And actually... I even wrote a book about it, wrote a book about teaching life lessons through coaching, especially in the woke society, because there's a lot of things you learn by being a part of something, and a lot of times in life, there's 
people are not part of something because of fear. A lot of people don't get married because of fear. A lot of people don't have children because of fear. A lot of people aren't part of a church because of fear. Fear, fear of failure. Failure of what, how people are going to perceive us. But, dear friend, if you know Jesus Christ, you are part of a team. You're part of the church. And there's lessons that can be learned by being in a part of something. And I want to share some of those lessons, some key lessons that can help all of us as we are a part of a group of people called the church. The first one is the key to success in any area, as I mentioned before, is preparation. The key to success is preparation. My Uncle Jim, who took me fishing and hunting during my early years, I can remember him meticulously taking the time every time we were getting ready to go out on our great adventure, whether it be catching that bass or shooting that turkey or that deer, he would go over the, the, the guns and the, and the, and the fishing poles and, and lay out exactly what we needed and prepare everything just, just so. And if I ever did anything out of, out of, out of whack, he, he would let me know. Carry the, carry the gun just like this. Put, put the fishing poles just in this place. He prepared, he prepared the night before so we'd have success the next day. How important that is in all areas of life. How many times on Sunday morning did you not maybe prepare the way you should have Sunday, Saturday night and you rushed to get here to church and had an argument on the way here? Man, it got quiet. <laughs> We've done that, right? We've not prepared ourselves. We've not prepared ourselves. Why, what, it, what is good about preparedness? Why should, we, why should we be prepared? Because it helps us realize the importance of hard work. Preparedness is the key to success and victory. General Douglas MacArthur said. Thomas Edison said, Genius is the 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Why don't often people prepare? Because it, it takes a lot of hard work to, to get things done, to, to, to achieve the goal. The second reason, reason why we need to prepare because it involves discipline. It takes thinking things through. It takes getting things the night before, the day before, the week before done. It takes discipline, doing the same things over and over and over. If you, a, a successful person is not a lazy person. A successful person is not a lazy person. Success is finding God's will for your life and doing it. And that takes hard work. That takes discipline. And thirdly, it takes organization. It takes organization. This, what we're happening here in this service, didn't just happen because we decided to come to church this morning and make it happen. It happened because of planning. It happened because things were prepared. In every area of our life, we should have that. Whether it be our vehicles, whether it be our houses, whether it be our attire, whether it be anything in our life, it should be organized. Is your life organized? Now, if it takes more than two or three days to clean up your house, to have visitors over your house, dear friend, maybe you're not organized. And the holidays are here, so time to get to work. But think about all that had to be done before we actually could have service this, this, eve, this morning. We had to clean the, somebody had to clean the inside of the church. Someone had to clean the outside of the church. Someone had to prepare the bulletin. Someone had to prepare finances. Someone had to prepare the songs. Someone had to prepare Sunday school lessons. Someone had to prepare the worship, youth worship program. Someone had to prepare the choir. Someone were practicing for cantata a few weeks from now. We can't just say, okay, it's cantata day. Let's show up and sing. We prepare months for that. This message, it didn't happen actually in, in one week. It didn't happen in actually one year. It is the culmination of 35 years of life. It, it's prepared. Are you prepared? 
in your life. And of course, the greatest preparation that needs to be made, as we read the author of the book of Hebrews, he said it's important unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. We need to be prepared to meet Jesus Christ someday. And dear friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't know what it means to be a Christian, if you don't know what it means to be saved, if, you don't, if you're not sure your, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that is the most important thing in the world to be prepared for. If you're not prepared for that, come see me. I'd love to tell you more about it. So the first key to success is preparation, but secondly, communication is the second key. Communication. First of all, it's verbal communication. It's verbal communication. Repetition is the key to learning. We need to repeat ourselves. If you're a parent, if you're a boss, if you're an employer, you know you have to regularly repeat yourself over and over and over and over because it's important. Secondly, not only is there verbal communication, there's nonverbal communication. It's what you don't see. When I was coaching a team for nine years, sometimes I would see the, the, the faces of the young men that I were coaching, and they were tired, or, or they, were, they were struggling, or they, they were discouraged. And from what you see, though it be not spoken, you can react to that and help them in that situation. Thirdly, not only do we have verbal and nonverbal, we have the third level of communication is that which is visual. Sometimes it would be uh, storming down there in South Fort Myers area, in Bonita Springs. I couldn't actually go out on the field and, and, and practice with them. I had to use visuals. I had to use a video. I had to use um, some type of other visual to help them understand exactly what they were doing in life. And, dear friend, that's, that's important that we show some people are visual learners. That's how they learn. That's why oftentimes in Sunday school class we'll use visuals. Uh, the PowerPoint, uh, and nowadays, remember like in the old days, they had the old boards and they used to put those little things on the boards and show kids how to, how, how to live, whether it be Daniel and the lion's den or David and Goliath. But we use visuals. And, and, and finally, the, the fourth uh, communication is nonverbal, and it is written. It's written down. A lot of times we try to remember something, but we need to write it down. Amen? You're writing down. God has given us the perfect example of written communication by his word. We need to study his word and know his word. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is the instruction manual. How many times, men, have you tried to start working on something, but you failed because you didn't start reading the instruction manual first? Especially about Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, how important it is to read the instruction manual. The one, number one device that the devil uses in, in, in life is false information. Oftentimes, I have people come to me and ask me questions of the Bible, and I want to say to them, have you read the instruction manual first? <laughs> read the instruction manual regularly. The first key to success is preparation. The second key to success is communication. But the third key to success is unification or teamwork. I would often, often tame the, tell the teams that I coach, teamwork makes a dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. The great coach, Vince Lombardi of the Green Bay Packers, says individual commitment to a group effort, that it, that's what it makes a team work, a company work, a civilization work. 
You know what it starts with? It starts with leadership. Everything starts with leadership. It starts with who, who's going to lead the charge, who's going to direct the people. And that's true whether it be in the home. In the home, it should be the man. It should be, it should be, the, it should be the, the, the husband, the father. He's the leader of the home. Doesn't mean he the woman is not equal. Oh, yes, she is, but actually my wife is smarter than me in most things. Now don't tell her I said that. But I know you all will. But she's better at me at most things. But God in his sovereignty has put the man in the head of the home. Now, men, you may delegate many things, and if you're wise, you will. Ladies, I didn't hear one amen from one of you. Yes, the time you should have said, Amen, praise God. If you're wise, you will listen to your wives and delegate some responsibilities to her that you're not good at. Ladies, there you go. There you go. There you go. That's, cool. that's, that's wisdom there. That's, that's wise. But, man, when you stand before God one day, you're going to be responsibility for your families. You know who the responsibility is for spiritual growth? It's not the church. It's you, family. You know the responsibility to educate your children? It's not the public school. It's not homeschool. It's not Christian school. It's the family. Moms and dads are responsible to educate their children, to know that they can read. If you can't read, you can't lead. That you can write and do the arithmetic. Oh, if we just got back to those basics, how different a country would be today. That's a sermon in itself, but I'll stop. Moses was one of the greatest leaders in the history of Israel. Forty years, he led the entire nation of millions of people. The Bible says that he accomplished all this through faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse, 20, verse 25, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I just got through going to a men's conference. There were 84 men at this conference. And one of the things, key things he said for men is, men, it's time to stop being children and act like men. We need a generation of men. He said, man, it's hard to be a man. It's hard. It's difficult. It's, it's frustrating. Well, think about it. What if Washington said, I'm not going to cross the Delaware. It's too hard. What if John, Thomas Jefferson said, you know, it's just, it's too complicated, too difficult to write the Declaration of Independence. What if Abraham Lincoln thought, thought, well, you know what? People might not like the fact that I get up and say this, these words at Gettysburg. What if they said, no, where would we be today? I dare you, I tell you where we'd be. We wouldn't be. It's because of the hard work of men and women that made our country what it is today. Our country was not made by lazy men and women, but by God-fearing men and women who love God, love their families, and love their country. And we need to get back to that today. Get back, forget the whole thing of entitlement and everybody owes me something and I'm just going to do what I want to do and let everybody else do what they want to do. No, find God's will for your life and do it to the best of our ability. That's success. Success is a team. Franklin Roosevelt said, as people working together as a group can accomplish things that no individual acting alone could ever hope to bring about. And we're all under the greatest leader who ever lived, which is Jesus Christ, which is read about him, which we see about him in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him 
the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, dear friend, unity equals success. Division equals failure. United we stand, divided we fall. If we're going to be successful in life, successful as a church, successful in fam- as a family, it takes preparation. It takes communication. Thirdly, it takes unification, having that team, us spirit, not I, but us, we, not me spirit. And the fourth key is dedication. It's dedication. Someone once said, a goal without real dedication is just a pipe dream. A goal without dedication is just a pipe dream. Every true winner has learned to some degree the need to be dedicated to the challenge in front of them. How? First of all, you have to set a goal. What's your goal? What's your goal? As I was thinking about writing this book about five lessons you can, you can learn by being on a, on a team, I realized that I had to set a goal for myself. I had to, I had to do it. And anything in life worth doing, you have to set a goal. And I heard this crazy statistic that 80% of Americans want to write a book. 1% actually try it, and 1% of them actually complete it. But you know what? You have to set a goal. What's your goals in life? What's your dreams in life? What's your plans in life? Do you have a goal? If you don't have a goal, you'll miss it every time. Set a goal. It might be cleaning your house for visitors coming home for Thanksgiving. Hint number two. It might be cleaning your car. It, it might be something in your, hey, reading the Bible. Do you have a plan? Three chapters every day, four chapters on Sunday gets that book gets this book finished but have a plan you have a plan you have a goal Don Shula said you set a goal to be the best and then you work hard every hour of every day striving to reach the goal if you allow yourself to settle for anything less than number one you're cheating yourself how many people have cheated themselves because they say to them I can't I love what my mom used to say to me can't never could do anything you can't the Bible tells us you can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. You can through Christ. You say you can't. It's a cop-out. You're cheating yourself. Ask God for help. Ask God for wisdom. Ask other people to help you in your life. Choose to. Not only do you need to set a goal, you need to make a better choice. Make a better choice. If, if, we're, if, we're, if, you're, if you're in failure mode right now, how about changing the failure mode? And make some better decisions. How about making better decisions about people you hang around with? You run with a, you run with a skunk, you can't smell like a rose. If you lie down with dogs, you're going to come up with fleas. If, you, if you're not succeeding in life, how about changing the group of people you're with? Maybe the criticism and how bad and sad the whole world is coming, that type of talk is just getting you defeated. Nobody needs to be around people who have a defeatist mentality all the day long. I turn Fox News off and start listening to Amazing Grace. Just turn it off and start listening to something good. The Hall of Famer William May said, in order to excel, you must be completely dedicated to your choosing sport. You must be prepared to work hard, be willing to accept constructive criticism. Without 100% dedication, you won't be able to do this. Thirdly, there has to be a singular focus. I can remember in my mind's eye, oh, seemed like a thousand times, this young 
teenage boy from Taylor, South Carolina, would be told by his Uncle Jim, son, keep your mind on your business. Son, keep your mind on your business. Son, keep your mind on your business. I'd want to wonder. I'd want to look this way. I want to focus on this. I'd want... But he'd say, son, keep your mind on your business. And dear friends, we need, to, we need to focus on the business, the goal that God has placed in front of us. The famous Hall of Famer, Dan Diodorf, wrote, I think a lot of people are too concerned with their competition. They fall into the habit of worrying about everyone else. I don't pay attention to what others are doing. I feel strongly that I have correct goals, and if I have determination to keep pursuing them to the best of know-how, everything else falls in line. Have a singular focus. And fourth, you have to be willing to sacrifice. This is a book full of people who sacrificed, who are willing to give their very lives so that the gospel of Jesus Christ could go forth. Whether it starts with Abraham, or Moses, or Joshua, or Jacob, in the New Testament, Paul and Peter and James and John and Matthew, all these men and many women sacrificed their very lives so that we can have the word of God today. Dear friend, there is no true service. There is no true service in life without sacrifice. Whether it be leading your home or leading your country or leading the nation, there always has to be sacrifice. The problem is we're living in a selfish, selfie generation and they don't want to sacrifice. They want to say, it's all about me. What can you do for me? How can you help for me? Ask not. <laughs> Remember the words by Kennedy? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Ask not what God, North Gainesville Baptist Church can do for you, but what can you do for North Gainesville Baptist Church? I love it when people come to me, and they sometimes do, and say, preacher, what can we do for you? What can we do for Jesus? Because, dear friend, you're not doing it for Marty Moon. You're not even doing it for North Gainesville Baptist Church. If you give a cup and cold water in the name of apostle, you'll have your reward. You're doing it for Jesus. You're doing it for Jesus. We need to be choosing that type of life. I love what Paul the Apostle writes on in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I press towards the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So to be successful, there's to be preparation. For, to be successful, there has to be communication. To be successful in any area of life has to be unification, teamwork. To be successful in life, there has to be dedication. And to be successful in life, there has to be satisfaction. What do you mean by that? I mean do your very best. And even if, and if you do not win the contest, if you're not... If you not succeed in that, in that day, you could walk off the field or walk off the job and go have, a, have a good night's rest knowing by the grace of God you've done everything you can to succeed in that adventure. Do everything you can. We might not be the best team on the field, I would often say to our team, but we can choose to be the best Christians on the field today. You say you might not have the best, best education. You might not have the best background. You might not have the most talent. You might not have the most abilities. But you can do all you can for the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would do all. The good coach, Bum Phillips, Bum Phillips said, Lots of people know how to be successful, but very few know how to handle success. Don Shula says, Success is not final. Past performances are forgotten. In every competition, it's harder to stay on top than it is to get there. The famous coach Chuck Noll of the Pittsburgh Steelers says, it's what you do on the field that counts, not what you say. 
You can win the battle of the press. Please call your critics and still lose the game. How wonderful it is, how important it is to be humble, to, by the grace of God, try to meet the expectations we place on ourselves. And what do we do when we do fail? Manager Bill, Billy Martin said, when you make a mistake, say, it's my fault. Don't blame it on the other guy. Don't blame it on someone else. He says, it's my fault. Don't alibi. One coach said, when you make a mistake, there are three things you should do. Admit it, learn from it, and don't repeat it. One of the things we learned at the men's conference is this phrase that every man needs to learn to say. I am wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Let's practice it, men. I am wrong. I'm sorry. And I, will you forgive me? And that wasn't good enough. Here we go again. I'm trying to save your marriage, men. I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Now rinse and repeat. <laughs> oh, my soul. Man, if you just, if you just said that, those words, how different your life would be when I was at the church Yesterday, I was speaking to one of the gentlemen there, and he knew a, f a friend of mine. Both of us had a wonderful friend. He was a great man, but family, his family life destroyed him, so ultimately, he took his life. We thought to ourselves, if he'd have said those words, he would probably be married today and be alive today if he was only willing to admit he was wrong, and he was sorry. And by the grace of God, he wanted to be different. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 11, verse 2, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but lowly is, lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 13, 10, Only by pride cometh contention, but the well-advised is wisdom. A man is wrapped up in himself, makes a very small package. Oh, dear friend, how important it is to prepare how important it is to communicate. How important it is to be on the same team. How important it is to, to, to be dedicated. How important it is to be satisfied, to do all we can, while we can, for the grace of God. Our championship that we had, that we figured out was 2013 with this ragtag group of guys who were fifth graders, a couple upper upperclassmen, that finally, many years later, were now seniors and they were competing against the state competition at the flag football contest there south of here. And I can remember that day like it was just yesterday. We had to play two and a half games because, because of time change. We had to play two and a half games because it got darker than when we, when we were, that before we knew it. We had to play two and a half games. And all, those th all the two and a half teams were teams we had played before in the past in local competition. And our second team we played was a group of guys from, called, from Sunshine Christian Academy. And this team had been a thorn in our side from the very beginning. When we first started playing that team, they beat us over and over and over and over like a redheaded stepchild. But finally, we played this team in the second game before the final competition, and we won the game. I got so excited, I'd been about three or four twirls right there on the sideline. And the folks got video of it, and they remind me of that all the time. There's that crazy guy doing twirls on the sideline. But you know what it was? It wasn't the fact 
that we won the game. Oh, that was exciting. It wasn't the fact that after that game we won the championship, it was able to hold the trophy and said that we completed this to the best of our ability. It was the fact that all of us, all those years, have been working towards a goal to complete something, and we finally did it. We finally did it. And when we, we discovered through all that hard work, through all that dedication, that we loved one another. And that's the key, to love one another. Now, as I was reading this book, Brother Pete knows this author, Lieutenant General Harold G. Moore, and Joseph Galloway wrote a wonderful book, We Were Soldiers Once of Young. He, wrote, he, wrote, he, read the, he said the same thing. He said, we killed for, for each other. We died for each other. We wept for each other. He says, in a time we came to love each other as brothers. We loved each other as brothers. What makes a successful team is love. It's love. It's loving each other. It's saying no to yourself. Be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to give. Be willing to care. That's the secret to any marriage. That's the secret to any successful business. That's the secret to any church is that we love one another. Dear friend, I ask you this morning, do you know him who died for you because he loved you so much? He was willing to go to that old rugged cross and shed his blood so you could have everlasting life. Do you know him? Oh, I hope you do, because that's the most important decision in life. And if you're a Christian, has any of these things that I talked about, preparation, communication, unification, dedication, satisfaction, has any of these stirred you to the place where the Holy Spirit has nudged you and say, oh, this area of communication, I need to do better. This area of preparation, I need to do better. This area of unification, I need to do better. This area of dedication, I need to do better. This area of satisfaction, I need to do better. Then, dear friend, by the grace of God, with the help of God, choose it to be different. Choose it to be different. Do not try. Do it so that your life will be different this Veterans Day next year. Choose it. Choose it. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for allowing us to be here this most holy moment. Thank you for everyone gathered here. Thank you for their obedience to come into your house and how we long to be in that place that we read about called heaven. Oh, this morning we're always missing a few members, whether it be sick or out of town or for whatever reason. But all the whole host of heaven, all those who know you will be gathered together around your throne. And what a wonderful day that will be. And the completion of our journey will be over. Oh, how wonderful that day will be. While we're still here, help us to do every can, everything we can to serve you. But first, we must know you. Before we can serve you, we must first know you. If you're here today and you say, I don't know Christ is your Savior. Oh, dear friend, do you realize that you're a sinner? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You realize there's a real place called hell. It was created by, the created by God for the devil and his angels, not for you. For God loves you so much, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
Oh, dear friend, do you know him? Do you know for sure if you were to die the day you go to heaven? Jesus commended his love towards us. And while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, please, dear friend, if you don't know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with Christ, please see me or see my wife or see someone today so we can take, you, take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. But maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I'm a Christian. But there's some areas in my life I need to change. And the Word of God and the Holy Spirit have spoken to me about some areas in my life I need to change. Maybe it's about your home. Maybe it's about your marriage. Maybe it's some other area of life. But I need to, by the grace of God, change. And I'm dedicating myself this morning to making those changes. Would you pray for me? Anybody would do that today? Anybody at all? Amen. Someone else? I said set a goal. If you don't set a goal... You're never going to change. I'm not talking about the person beside you. I'm not talking about the person in front of you. I'm not talking about that person who you say, this person really needs that message. No, you need the message. There's some things in your life that needs to change. The only way you'll ever change is admitting you have a problem and willing to do something about it. You say, preacher, I got some problems in my life. I need to do something about it. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Anybody else? Just stand to her feet. Some music plays. I pray you'll be obedient, dear Christian, and listen to the Holy Spirit of God to do the will of God in your life.